Welcome to the Topic of Conversation with your host, Rob Scoggins, Jr. Hey, I'm Rob Scoggins, and welcome to the Topic of Conversation. We are downtown Denver every Wednesday night at the Original Brooklyn's. Come down and join us if you get a chance. It's the Original Brooklyn's downtown. That's right, 100 yards away from where the Broncos play, and the Broncos are starting their season very soon. So you can start your season very soon of drinking and having a good time here at the Original Brooklyn's. And just uh, I, just a stone throws away from the light rail here in Denver and a, another another half a block away from the bus station. You can have a good time before the game and after the game here at Original Brooklyn. Help but thank uh, the wonderful crew that I get to work with on day in and day out. Of course, Mash, Math, Matthew Schiff, my director, producer, my technical director, my acting executive producer, and also one of the best uh, sound guys and tech guys out there. Uh, good old Will Hartman sitting back there. And of course, Stephanie, who's not here, does everything for us on the, on the internet. And we also thank the crew and staff and wonderful uh, wait staff here at the original Brooklyn's where we do the show every Wednesday night. So if you get a chance to come join us, please do. We would love to see you down here. Uh, tonight's topic is animation, cartoons, and, and the dying art of newspaper animation which, and, and cartoons. And we have one of the best. He is originally from North Texas. He has let his home be here in Colorado for a long, long time. He is an incredible talent. He has been at Denver Comic-Con, uh, the second largest Comic-Con in the country. He has been there for four years. He is an incredible talent. He, he, you'll see his stuff. All you have to do is Google right now Drew Litton, and you will see the wonderful, wonderful stuff that he's done years and years and years, mainly in sports, but he also does other things too. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Drew Litton. How are you? I am doing fabulous. We are Thank just you. so blessed to have you here. Thank you. I'm, um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is awesome. You, you have changed the face of, of Colorado sports because people love and see your stuff. Let's go back a little ways. Uh, to your childhood in North Texas. Were you a doodler in class? Were you just like that kid who went... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. People will ask me where I learned to draw. Yeah. And I always have to be very um, honest with them, and I tell them I learned to draw in algebra class. <laughs> it was good for something, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, instead of... You know, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say geometry because you have to do lines, but maybe... Oh, well, that's no. the reason I didn't, uh, <laughs> because I couldn't draw straight lines. So I would... I, I'd be, Drawings on pieces of paper. What were some of the first things you drew besides doodles? You know, what were you drawing? Faces, squirrels, chipmunks, girls. You, you know, when I first, when I was young, um, I grew up with asthma. Oh. And um, you know, I originally, originally wanted to um, be a basketball player like Pete Maravich. Oh yeah, Pistol Pete. Oh, oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Or a guitarist like Eric Clapton. Sure, why not? Absolutely. And I, but I found out that I played um, basketball like Eric Clapton and guitar like Pete Maravich. So <laughs> I knew that at that point, you know, um, tried out for the seventh grade basketball team, didn't make it. Now, how many people try out for the seventh grade basketball team and get cut? That's a, that's a, that's gotta be a very In small North percentage. North Texas? I don't yeah. know. Probably nobody. Yeah, no. So, um, you know, so I, um, I just decided I, I was always drawing when I was young. And uh, so I created my own characters and my own little stories and stuff. And, uh, you know, by the time I was in um, eighth grade, I knew that that's what I wanted to do for a living. Eighth um, grade. Eighth grade. Yeah. I was there. and So why and, go to high school? And my parents <laughs> kept praying I was going to grow out of it, you know, because my dad was an electrical contractor in El Paso, Texas. So a good, safe job. It was a good, safe job. It was, you know, and it, and it, uh, it was, you know, what you go, it's a trade job, you know, that... That makes sense to everybody, right? Sure. Everybody needs electricity. Not very many people need cartoons. So he sure. kept thinking, maybe I'll grow out of it. But um, he, he made the mistake of allowing me to work with uh, for him over the summers. And one summer, they um, we got this call to go put, um, we had to go put fluorescent, change fluorescent light bulbs yeah. in uh, the service bay of a car dealership. And this was 18-foot ceilings, Okay. And they had a 12-foot ladder, and they put me on the top rung of a 12-foot ladder with some guy holding my ankles. And as you're like if that's, four, 14 yeah. years old. Oh, yeah, yeah, as if that was going to do me any good. And it's like that's when the light bulb went off in my head, and I'm going, I am not doing this yeah. for a living. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just kept drawing, and he kept praying, and uh, eventually it kind of worked out that I, you know, um, when I was in high school, I was the editor of my uh, high school paper and did cartoons all the way through college. Um, Burke Brethed, 
who did Bloom County was sure. a very popular at that time. Yeah. He was at the University of Texas at Austin. And is, I that had, where, is that where you went? Uh, no, I went to University of Texas at El Paso. That's what I thought. Yeah, UTEP, uh, which was originally Texas Western. Right. Um, and but I had a girlfriend who was going to UT Austin, and I went down and saw uh, Burke. And so um, I, I think I was pretty influenced by his work pretty early on. Just because the way he does the faces and such in detail yeah. and the stories that he tells. Well, he was just he, Burke is an incredible humorist. Uh, yeah. His sense of humor and his writing was just unbelievable. But he had an incredibly popular comic strip in college called The Academia Waltz, which predated Bloom County. And this was 1960s? Uh, this was 1970. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, 1978, I believe, is when I went down so to Austin. So Carter was president. Yeah, no. yeah. So, but he, but Burke would do these incredible cartoons about college life at UT Austin. And there were two people on campus at the time who were, who were the most popular and well-known people on campus. One was Earl Campbell. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, who, sure. who played, you know, with Absolutely. Longhorns. And the other one was Brooke Breathitt. That's how much his comic strip had made a difference. In the, yeah, it was huge. And anyway, um, I had done a college uh, comic strip all the way through. And then I also worked at a small paper there in El Paso called the El Paso Times. Sure. And I started out as a copy clerk, you know, just doing... Uh, bringing people coffee and and going. That's how you start? Yeah, absolutely. At the very bottom. Terrible. These millennials should learn from you. You got to start low. You got to start at the bottom and work your way up. Doesn't you know? matter and what your degree says, right? No exactly. matter where you went. Exactly. So yeah. that's what I did, and and fortunately it worked out. I was able to to draw in the graphics department for a while, and then in 1982, I answered a blind ad in <laughs> a trade magazine that was looking for a sports-minded artist, and um, and I applied and. You know, in September of 1982, I started at the Rocky Mountain News. Now, speaking of that, did 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 you move with the family, or did you move just you and your dog came to Colorado? It was just it was just me at just the time. You at there the was time. no dog involved. It was just me. Just you. I packed the back of a Chevy Monza mm -hmm. and uh, and came up here. And you know, I had never been to an NFL football game before. Really? Yeah. And Being I, in and North Texas, well, Dallas is right there. Well, yeah, but and no. the Oilers were no, the Oilers were. No, well, the Oilers. Well, El Paso's a little bit. It's more there. kind of west, and so right. it's it's it's, it's hard little, to get there. It's isolated, actually. Yeah. I mean, the best football we had. In fact, one of the reasons why I think I developed a sense of humor um, for <laughs> was for, fo for football or for sports was because I had to watch Texas El Paso football. Yeah, for University some of Texas years. El Paso could have been rough. Um, they were five and forty-two in the years I went to school. Wow. Yeah, That's yeah. Not and that included an 80, 82 to six. A loss to BYU in the Olympics, that'd be an aluminum medal. It would be. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah or yeah, or some other kind of yeah, <laughs> rare yeah. item of metal. So they were horrible in football, and um, and so you know, I think but, that's kind of. But they work. were really good in basketball. Oh, they're great in basketball. I mean, you, you know. have a great story there. I mean, is this where where you really fell in love with you know college sports? Is when the basketball team. I mean, if you look if you look down the row of who won the internet, who won the NCAA Division One title, right? You see, during that time period, you see. UCLA, look at it, you guys, University of Texas. It was, it was Texas oh, Western. In Texas Western, you're yeah. like, what? And then, and then UCLA. <laughs> UCLA, UCLA. Exactly. You're like, how did they sneak in there? Yeah. And they've done they've done a they've done a, a thirty for thirty on it. Yeah, I think and so. Then, and then the movie you mentioned. Yeah, Glory Road. Glory Road yep. is all about. And so I went to high school with Steve Haskins, who was Don Haskins' son. Mm -hmm. Don Haskins was a head coach for Texas Western and UTEP. And uh, you know, it was 1966. No one. Uh, just imagine this: the big Division One schools, yeah, huge. the ACC, the SCC, all of those schools. Just imagine, if you will, Michael Jordan not being recruited. Oh, okay, sure, by a major school. And so uh, John Haskins just said, "I don't really care what color you are. Can you play basketball?" So he went all over the country and brought in the best. Um, African American basketball players that he could find, and so you you and had. What did he do well? And, oh yeah, I mean you know they they were twenty eight and one, and then they then they went in and played uh, um, uh, uh, Cincinnati and a couple other teams to get to the to the final, and they played Adolph Rupp and Pat Riley was on that team. Wow! Um, <laughs> and in fact, there's a great there's a great story about that game where uh, Don Haskins got the guys together before the game started. And they had a player named uh, Big Daddy David Latin. 
Big Daddy D. Yeah, Big Daddy D. And he was about 6'10 and weighed about 250, 255, yeah, something like that. He was guy. a big guy. Yeah, that's a football player. And he told, he looked at David Latin and he goes, here's the way we're going to start the game. I want you to get the ball to David. And, I, and David, I want you to dunk it. And I don't care who's in your way. I don't care if you get called for a technical hanging on the rim. Mm-hmm. But I want them to know that we're here. And the recipient of that dunk was Pat Riley. <laughs> and forevermore. And forevermore. Yeah. So, yeah. So, te- when did what year did Texas Western become University of Texas El Paso? 67 or 68, So, I right believe. after it, huh? Yeah, not and too long it's after. And it's part of their history, and they, and they wrap themselves around it. That's their oh, absolutely. national well, title. Oh, you absolutely. Know, between that and, and uh, you know, Marty Robbins, sure. uh, there's really not a whole lot of El Paso there, you know, that, that you can brag about, you know? No, that's true. Yeah. Besides so, some big cactus. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cactus and... <laughs> Well, Sharon Tate peyote, came from... Peyote, maybe. I don't yeah. Know. Sharon Tate came from um, El Paso. Where do you get your humor from? Is it from your dad? Is it from your mom? Is it from your grandpa? Is it from your friends? And, mm, you know, I mean, you're a funny, funny guy. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I mean, I'm funny on paper. I, I think I'm a little more subdued in person, but, you know. Yeah. Um, our, our, and I'll ask, you, I'll ask you a double question on top of where you get your humor from. Are all cartoonists shy? I mean... A good portion of us are, yeah. yeah. Um, there's only one cartoonist I know... Um, who, who isn't shy, he's really off the wall, um, and that's a guy named um, Mike Peters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike does Mother Goose and Grimm. Oh, sure. Yeah, and Mike is really out there. He's a constant comedian, constantly uh, making jokes, and I'll tell you a little Mike Peters story just to tell you sure. how crazy, a, you know, certain And then we'll car- go back to your, yeah. where you get your humor from. Okay. Yeah, um, but, but Mike, uh, his, his wife put together a Superman suit for him for a Halloween costume. And, How and, old was he? Oh, Mike was, this was, this was, yeah, it was in his 30s. Okay. You know, okay. he's in his 30s when this happened. So it was a Halloween costume, and, and uh, Mike decided that it was a shame that it only got used on Halloween, so he decided to put it on, and he went to work, and everybody, you know, he worked at the Dayton Daily News, and he's, um, they have an editorial board meeting every morning okay. to decide what's going to be in the paper and sure. what's going to be on the editorial page. And Mike was always a part of that meeting. This was like nine o'clock in the morning and he's not there. And they go, does anybody know where Mike is? It's like nine 15. Did he call in sick? What's going on? This is the mother goose and grim guy. Yeah. Mother goose and grim guy. Yeah. And about that time, the window on the outside, you know, that starts rustling <laughs> and it pops open <laughs> and Mike jumps in the room in a Superman suit. To, from to outside a, to, a, to a pitch meeting. Yeah, and now this is the, he had hung out on the on the second story ledge sure. of, of the building yeah. until the, the meeting started, <laughs> and uh, and he, he apparently got several marriage proposals while he was oh, out there. Sure. Is what he said, you Superman. know. But he popped in the room and he said, "Hey, I'm sorry, I'm late for the meeting, but I ran into some bad weather over Cleveland." So that's Mike. That's he was him, just, yeah. yeah, he was always crazy. But the rest of us are fairly subdued. Yeah, um, I mean, Charles Schultz is very subdued. And, and the guy who does um, um, Calvin and Hobbes, you never see him. He doesn't make public oh, okay, appearances. Oh, yeah, Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, Bill I mean, Watterson, Bill is, Watterson. Is, he's almost recluse. Yeah, yeah, you don't even see him. No. But people like you, you, I see you with the fans today at the, at the, here at Original Brooklyn's. Mm-hmm. You, you enjoy them. You talk to them. They, they you know, you're, you're humble about your art, even though people love it and have seen it for 30 years. Mm-hmm. You're great. You're great with the fans. Oh, don't you think? Don't you think they would they would enjoy it too to know that they're loved and adored and and they make you you know we you wake up every day and we they saw your stuff in the Rocky Mountain News mm-hmm. they, you're part of their life. Well, it's always very humbling to me when I get the chance to meet people and they love what I do. You know, because um, you don't know because you're sitting behind a desk. All it, the time. Exactly. You know, it, being a cartoonist is a little bit like being a comedian. Sure. You know, you're up on stage, you're telling your jokes, but as a cartoonist, you don't hear anybody laugh. Because you do your stuff and it goes out into a newspaper or on the internet or wherever it may be. And so you don't hear that, that live audience laughter. So when I get a chance to get out and meet people, it's always a joy. It's just an absolute joy. And I love people and I love to, uh, to be around them. So it's fun. So let's go back to, we talked about, you know, some, most cartoonists are, are to themselves, but they're very, very funny. Where do you get your humor from? Is it mom, dad, grandma, just life? I mean, life is funny. Uh, your, your, you know, loved ones. What mm-hmm. do you get it? You know, that's a great question, and I, I've never been asked that question all these years. I don't think I've ever been asked that question. You know, my sense of humor. I, I think um, I was pretty shy growing up, uh, and especially through high school and early college. And I found that the that if I could be silly in my cartoons, people would react to them, and and uh, so it kind of drew me out of that. 
And, um, you know, it's interesting uh, because I don't think, you know, I've always believed like, like if you're uh, like a drummer, for instance, I think a drummer has to be born to do, to play drums. Sure. You can teach somebody to play guitar, That's piano, true. you know, a lot of instruments, but a drum, drum set, trap set especially, you have to be born with rhythm to be able to do that. I think humor is a lot that way. I don't think you can teach somebody to be funny. I think that that's just inherently a, a God-given gift, and you just, you know. You was know. your dad funny? You know, he wasn't a funny guy. I mean, he was, a, he, was um, he was pretty funny. Yeah. But Was your uh, grandpa funny? No, no, not necessarily. Is North Texas funny? I well, mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Texas as a whole is funny. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Texas is funny as a Yeah, whole. I mean, it's, yeah. oh, yeah, as a yeah, whole, a it's like, of, you know. You could do a whole cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they've actually, you know, had people um, beat people to death with frozen armadillos in Texas. So, I mean, wow. there's all okay. kinds of, you know, there's all no kinds idea. of things. Yeah. <laughs> Texas is full of really what's strange UTEP, What's UTEP's mascot? They are the miners. Miners. Yes. Now, did you ever, when you were there, did you make cartoons of the miner? Did you try to pitch it and say this should be this? No, you know, I had a comic strip. Do, called, a, do a helmet for him? And, uh, no, I wish. I had a cart. Uh, I had a comic strip all the way through college called The Classes Quo. I think it was. I don't remember. What was it what about? It was. It was just about college life. I had recurring characters in there, and uh, it was it be it was pretty popular on campus. Um, and you know, it was that was great fun to do. Because I was able to be totally free with what I was, what, what I did, um, that let me get away with almost any subject matter I wanted. And when I first started, I was pretty guarded and pretty shy. But I had been influenced again by Burke Breathed, who went was way out there with his humor. Sure, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll in that era. So I kind of started pushing the envelope, and I found when I did, you know, you get more reaction that way. So was Doonesbury written for hippies? I mean, was it? I think was it an image of way the hippies will be when they get older? I think Doonesbury was written primarily, um, you know, for that generation. I mean, Gary Trudeau uh, was a a graduate of Yale. Wow. Uh, He had a comic strip in college called Bull's Tales, and that's kind of where Doonesbury grew out of. uh, Of was that comic strip, Um, and originally it was kind of a college comic strip, and then he morphed it into you know a bigger thing. And of course, he's brilliant. Um, uh, you know, his humor and his insight is very much uh, like a journalist. So, um, the popularity of Doonesbury has always been amazing to me. To all our listeners out there, and we have young and old and, and, and in between, what does it take to be a cartoonist? There's people who dream of doing this. And there, obviously, uh, there's been teams, there's been some great teams of people who do the animation and then people who do the, the lyrics or do the do the words. Uh-huh. Um, what does it take to do both? You do both. I mean, you do the cartoon and then you also write. Right. That's yeah. hard. It, well, it is. And, um, but it's also, you know, um, I remember Charlie Schultz saying, um, he, you know, he was a, was a big advocate of always doing everything himself. And those of you who don't know who Charlie, Charlie Schultz is, that's Peanuts. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, Charlie Brown. Yeah. Charlie Brown. Yeah. Charlie Brown, Snoopy. And, um, but his whole thing was that, you know, he always said that, you know, um, you wouldn't ask, Arnold Palmer would not ask somebody to make a putt for them or go out and putt for them. So why would I ask somebody to do part of my comic strip? So that's kind of the way he was. And I, I you know, again, when I was starting, um, you know, at the Rocky, it was, you know, that was my job was to create humor and to do the drawings and, and, and so. let's go back to night. Let's go back to 1982. When mm-hmm. you, when you, when you found this job, they said, come on board, come on over, um, wow, I mean, Rocky Mountain News was a shit back then. I mean, they, they had it all. They had some of the best writers, some of the best, you know, photographers, some of the best cartoonists, mm-hmm. some of the best everything. Yeah. And it just must have been a thrill for you to say, I'm going to go, I'm going to go up to Denver and, and do this thing. What was your feeling back in 1982 when you, you know, when it, was, it was interesting because I, uh, um, when I got the gig, I was not allowed to tell anybody in El Paso that I what I was going for. Are you serious? Because yeah, we were in the middle of a news war between oh, the yeah. Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News, and sure. so they the news kind of just wanted to spring me on them unannounced, you know. And so I couldn't tell anybody at the at the El Paso Times what I was going to do, which was really hard for me because because you were excited. I was excited. I was twenty three. I got my first gig. And this comes after um, I had a, a, a managing editor passed over for a, a job, okay. a graphics job. And uh, I sat in his office and he sat across the table from me and he, he looked at me and he goes, here's the deal. You have absolutely no talent 
and you need to leave the business now. What? And I'm going, oh, okay. And so, you know, yeah, what else could to you be say, able, right? Yeah. To, so to be able to go on and be able to be a cartoonist of the Rocky Mountain News was very, you know, very satisfying because, and I always kept his words in the back of my head because it was a very much a motivating thing for me to be able to do that. But um, so I wasn't able to tell anybody, but I was super excited. I mean, and you my were goodness, daily. It was daily. It was daily. I yeah. went from, you know, not doing a cartoon to doing five a week. Yeah which does amazing things to the central nervous system <laughs> and to the hairline, I might add, you know. And, um, yeah, so it was crazy. Uh, and also at that time in, in Denver, we didn't have, we had, you know, basically three sports. We had, you know, the Denver Broncos, we had the Denver Nuggets, and we had CU football. That's it. And CU football was pretty sketchy when I first started. Colorado so. State wasn't there. No, Colorado was, State was. Air Force we wasn't that important. Well, you know, they just didn't. You know, they didn't fall across the. Yeah. You know, often. Um, CSU was a whack school at the time, mm-hmm. um, and so I did occasional CSU pieces, but but uh, not as many as I should have. And it was fun when Navy and Air and Army would come play oh. Air Force. But other than that, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I would do an occasional, you know, Air Force Notre Dame or whatever, you sure. know, but. Primarily, those were the those were the, the things. I mean, we had the you know the Denver Bears, but then they moved into the Zephyrs, and you know it just wasn't the same. I do an occasional Zephyrs piece, but it wasn't sparse thing. And I think that first fall I started, if I remember correctly, the NFL went on strike. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right when I began. I remember. So so yeah. I, here I was, even without the Broncos, I was having to do the strike, which was good because I mean that's controversial. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the the whole concept of you getting. A job like that at, at such a young age, and at Denver Rocky Mountain News, the it was for the sports page. You were hired by the sports section. I was or, hi- or hired by the whole. You did. You didn't every. It didn't matter where your tune was. It was. It could be on the sports page. It could be on, you know, entertainment or wherever. No, when I first started, the whole thing was the brainchild of a guy named Denny Dressman. Yes, who, I you, it, yeah, who's been on the show? Who's been on the show? And Denny had an idea that it would give the Rocky something different. Um, you know, to to come to the plate with, and so he, um, you know, he hired me to uh, to do kind of sports editorial cartooning, if you will. So mm-hmm. so sports with uh, an edge, with a with a, an opinion in it, and um, and so that was his that was his brainchild. The at the time was a guy named Ralph Looney, who was a huge uh, proponent of comics. He believed in the power of a good comic section. And um, and it was he was brilliant in that sense, I think, because the comics are the unique, they are the most unique part of a newspaper. Um, there is no one el- nowhere else you can readily replicate that. And unfortunately, editors and publishers today find them expendable. Right. Um, Just like art and schools. Um, that's the unfortunate part. They've gone from being a major huge part in, uh, of newspapering to almost being extinct yeah you know or certainly um they're certainly made uh far less important than they should be um most comics have been shrunk to almost the size of a postage stamp yeah and and you know we were talking about bill watterson yep. of calvin and hobbs um you know who is i consider one of the greatest cartoonists no ever question. no question and, and you know, and he Bill, got tired. He's well, good. yeah. Bill got tired of, of you know he got tired of drawing in in a small space. Sure. Um, and I, I Bloom County, Burke Breathed, same thing. It's like, why should we continue to put this art out that takes us, you know, a long time to draw, for a small little snippet of the page that's being shrunk all the time? So. What would a cartoonist make in the heyday of newspaper cartoons, syndicated? Let's say, you know, like, like the two men you're talking about, and even Charles Schultz. I mean, Peanuts was in every, movie, every, every newspaper across the country, and even international. Right. What does a, a weekly, what does a daily cartoon make? Um, Peanuts and Charlie Schultz were making in excess of $60 million a year. A year? A year. In the 80s or in the 90s? Uh, I mean, just any Yeah, just uh, pretty much, you know, from the 80s, 90s, all the way until he passed away. I mean, he was making huge, huge money. Wow. Uh, Garfield probably forty million. Um, Brooke Breathed, I can't really, but somewhere in estimate. There. I'm I'm guessing fifteen to twenty million maybe. Because some of those cartoons or some of those strips are are very you know I mean they wouldn't do well in some rural areas. They right you know right. Um, and Watterson, who knows? Yeah. Now Bill Watterson left a tremendous amount of money on the table, yeah. refusing to do merchandise. Right, I remember. Um, that. And he was so anti merchandise. There's a great story about 
the, his syndicate was always trying to get because him to, Hobbs would have sold like crazy. Oh, and that, I that's, mean, he's a tiger. Oh yeah, yeah. And every you know, and this what <laughs> little boy would not want that exactly, or a little girl. I mean, yeah, even and, little girl, sure. And, and I think that's one of the things that was a disconnect with 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 him that I I don't agree with. Because um, look what it did for Winnie the Pooh. Well, yeah, and it's also you know it's a tangible part of a child's life, and I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, and you can hug that's it. That's me. Home, yeah, yeah, but he. The syndicate sent him a box full of prototypes, mm-hmm. of, of Hobbes prototypes. And he opened the box and immediately went to the backyard and started the grill and burnt all of them. Toxic fumes. Yes. Wow. He just basically put them on the grill and, and that was it. Hob- and then they, Hob- when Hobbes the syndicate goes, how did the, how'd you like the prototypes? <laughs> you know, well, I don't know. I don't know. I burnt them. Yeah, they're all, <laughs> I just put them on the grill. So he was really anti-merchandise, um, and so he left millions upon millions of dollars on the on the you know on the floor. But you know that was his that was his prerogative. In your heyday, were you making a good living? You don't have to tell us what you were making, but when no, you know I always tell people I used to have kids ask me. You yeah. know, I go to classes and I I do chalk talks for what do you students. Make? What do you make? How much do you make? And I go, you know, a cartoonist can make like as little as five thousand dollars a year as a freelancer. Sure. Or you make Charlie Schultz made sixty million dollars a year, yeah. and I always told the kids I make somewhere in between those numbers. That's a good number. Yeah. So and it's livable. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a livable. Rocky treated me very well. It wasn't you know, I wasn't making those kinds of numbers right. any place close to those. But but again, you know, they were very good to me, and and and, it, and they let me do my job, and let me you know just kind of um, do what I did, you know, and and. And so you can't ask for anything more than that. The Rocky Mountain News was tremendous to me, yeah. all the way from every sports editor I work with to the the editor at the top of the you know of, of the, the food chain. And, yeah, and the publisher. Um, everybody was just tremendously. You were um, there wonderful for thirty years. I was there for 26, 27 years 27 until years? it closed. Yeah. Okay. Two thousand nine. Did they did they give you a T shirt? What did they give you? When you laugh, when when it was like <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a good question. That was, uh, <laughs> was a thank you. Well, they yeah. came in on a Thursday at noon yeah. at lunchtime and said, "This is tomorrow's your last paper, and you got to be out of here by five o'clock." What was that feeling when you got that news? Um, you know, heartbreak. Yeah. You know, I tell you the the thing that was hardest for me, and it still is to this day. Um, I have always considered the Rocky Mountain News. Uh, a part of the uh, history of the American West. No question. Um, it, it, you know, and to me, uh, when you're messing with the history part of things, um, we were 45 days away from celebrating um, 150 years, I think. And it was. that was right. Yeah. Uh, in in the uh, in Denver. And what year? What year? What year did they say goodbye? Was it 2010? To, to 29. 2009. 2009. Yeah, yeah. 2009. Uh, February of 2009. Yeah. And 45 days. Yeah. So that we could put out a paper that celebrated 150 and years. Then you want to close it. Then you go ahead and close it. But to 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 step in front of uh, 45 days of history, I understand it's money. It's all money. That's what the whole world has become. It's all about the money. We'll talk about that later. But um, but you know, it, it upset me, and it still upsets me because it's a part. It was a part of the American West, and you leave you leave history to be completed, and they didn't do it. And that I will always. That's the one thing that still sours me more yeah. than anything else, believe it or not. No, I believe it. Yeah. And did the Denver Post come knocking or did you go knocking? Was there ever a crossover between the staffs? And, of course, crossover for you. I mean, you're an icon there for mm-hmm. 27 years. They knew your, they knew your work. Your, it's wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. Was there anything? Uh, we, we talked briefly. Um, we talked <laughs> briefly about doing some stuff. A phone um, call. Hey, how you doing? You want to do it? You know, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, in, in 2020 hindsight, you know, uh, I it, it just things just didn't work out, and sure. I think it was. Um, I, I think I was a fairly visible. Well, I know it was a, v- a very visible part of the Rocky Sports section. Sure, you know our 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 demographics or our our readership polls would always come back. Um, myself, Ed Stein, and Ann Landers were always the most read things in the paper. No. Ed Stein, our other cartoonist, and and you know, and so, and I think that that had something to do with it, and. Um, and you know, I think that the Denver Post had an editor at the time who um, was so anti you guys and didn't want to do anything. I think there was part of that. I think he was also not necessarily a Denver guy. So I think because he was not from Denver, I don't think he fully understood the the impact of what you know of what had been done before. So it works out for a reason. You know, that's the way I look at it. So I just um, I, I was able to do um, 
some wonderful animation work with a friend of mine named Rich Moyer sure. for ESPN.com. Yeah. That was a blast. We did, uh, we did great uh, funny stuff. Yeah, great funny stuff on ESPN.com. And then I worked for the Chicago Tribune for about seven years, yeah. which was great fun to do Cubs cartoons. Are you a humorist? And if you are, what is a humorist? I, I do consider myself a humorist, but, you know, I mean, I think it's just the, you know, we got a lot of bad stuff in the world, and I think the more we can make people laugh, the better. Um, you know, that said, I know I, I, I do some fairly poignant pieces from time to time, especially tribute cartoons. Um, but uh, the, you, either, you either make and bring joy to people or you give them the feels, as we're, you know, mm-hmm. as it's called these days, which is you make them feel some kind of emotion. And you hope that uh, I've never been a visceral cartoonist. I've never been right. like you know, like my whole goal in life is to wake up in the morning and piss people off. Right. That's not me. Um, my thing has been always about pro- try to bring you know an, a, a fresh perspective and make people laugh. That's that's been my goal. Have you ever have you ever drawn somebody and it pissed them off? I mean, because you, your your drawings are hilarious. Oh, yeah. oh, I mean, you've yeah. done Peyton Manning, you've done John Elway, right, right. you've done Todd Helton. I mean, you've done some of the, the biggest sports icons mm-hmm. in our town. Has the, has he ever pissed anybody off? Oh yeah, oh can yeah. You, can you say who? Oh, absolutely. I can tell you a great story if you want to hear it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm at spring training. Hmm. Baseball. Yeah, down in Tucson. I can't remember what year this was. I want to say 2001, 2002. I can't really recall now, but I'm there. I had done a cartoon that morning. <laughs> um, the Rockies at the time had had four catchers in camp that uh, year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben Petrick was one. I don't remember the other two. And the fourth one was a guy named Tony Acebio. Uh, Tony Acebio had gained about 40 pounds in the offseason. So he's a big boy. So I was a big guy, and that's not a great thing to do as a catcher. No, it's horrible. I was a catcher. Were you? Yeah. yeah. yeah I could. Isn't that good on your knees, you know? Yeah. So I did this cartoon where I had four panels, and I did Ben Petrick at the plate, and he's behind home plate, you know, and he's catching, and then the next catcher, you know, behind the plate, same thing. Third catcher, same thing. Well, when I got to Tony Acebio in the fourth panel, and I did Tony Acebio behind the plate, but he's shoving a huge plate of food into his mouth. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Um, I think a lot of people thought it was funny. Tony Acebio and Denny Nagel did not think it was funny. Okay. Uh, so Denny Nagel was the manager then, the coach. No, know. Denny Nagel was actually the pitcher. Oh, the pitcher. He was That's a pitcher right. for the Rockies. That's right. He was yeah. a pitcher. He wasn't coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Sorry. And he had kind of a, you know, was, he, yeah. he, he was on that list of roid guys, of yeah. steroid guys at one time. So I'm thinking this might have been part of his issue. But anyway, um, the uh, PR guy for the Rockies or the media relations guy says, hey, he wants to see you in the locker room. And I think it... And you're a cartoonist. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm at spring training. I'm hanging out. I'm drawing. And, you know, uh, and the Rocky would always ship... The Rocky and the, the Post would always ship down the morning edition, and it would be in Tucson. They'd put it on a plane and get it there, and it would be it would be at the ballpark. Sure. So the, the players could look through it if they, you know... <laughs> so, and they did. And they did. And so I went into the locker room... There's nobody in there but the players. There's no media because the media is only allowed in there before they take the field for batting. And you're practice. not necessarily considered media. Well, I am. I mean, yeah, you know, you I was are. with the Rocky, but it, but it yeah. was just an odd thing. So yeah. anyway, Nagel went off on me and yelled and screamed and really? pitched a fit. Yes, and Tony Acebio threatened my family and their lives. And uh, okay, and it was yeah, it was a really it was a joyful time in the locker room. And um, and um, but you know the the thing about it is is that you. You have to be careful about messing, you know, too much with cartoonists because yeah. sometimes we have a chance to get the last laugh. Yes, you do. And and the pen is can be mightier than the sword. And so Denny Nagel, um, about three years after that, or two or three years after that, got picked up for solicitation of a prostitute on Colfax. Uh huh. And there was nothing more fun than drawing a, a a guy on the pitcher's mound with his pants around his ankles. You know, there's just nothing more. <laughs> Rewarding. Do you remember the caption, or you just no? Said I don't think I needed it. a caption. No, I, I think it was pretty much you know. But yeah, done. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, I've, I, and you know, I've, throughout time, you know, I know John Elway's not super crazy about the teeth, but I think he's gotten used to them. I think he understands that it's a job. Has he ever talked to you? Has he ever? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we well, not directly, but I mean, here's the story on that. We we had a chance to do. <clears throat> he had a golf tournament when he first started. I think he still does. I don't know. But I know he had a golf tournament when we first started. 
that was down at Arrowhead, and a friend of his, a guy named Tom Davis, who used to play, he played for the Denver Gold, played for Nebraska, he played for the Raiders, he was a center. Yep. He was a friend of John's. Mm-hmm. And he was, ho- he was putting the whole tournament together and doing a lot of little things. And he asked me, would I do a trophy? Would I do a three-dimensional trophy that they could cast cool. and give away as, as, you know, to the winning teams, right? So if you can imagine the drawing that I do of John Elway, which is very <laughs> Bugs Bunny-esque. And you make him kind of look like a, a, bro- a bucking bronco. Yeah, he does. He, he has very large teeth. And um, anyway, imagine that in 3D, Okay. <laughs> And um, and we did make them, uh-huh. and uh, I didn't do the golf tournament the following year. Yeah. So I think that you know, and I'm not sure Tom really worked for them much longer. I can't remember now how it worked, but but you know he wasn't super thrilled with the teeth. No. But he's come along. Like I said, I mean I've given him several pieces of art. He's bought several pieces of art. And in 2004, when my wife um, passed away from cancer, he was uh, one of the few um, local people who actually sent me a sympathy card. Oh. So, you know, he's a great guy. He's That's really, very, very, yeah. yeah. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk to uh, Drew Litton on where you can find his art, what he's doing now, and how he is changing the web and doing a web series. We'll be back right after the break. I'm Rob Scoggins, your host. This is the Topic Conversation right here in downtown Denver, the original Brooklyn's 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. We'll be back after the break. Thanks. Hi, my name is Rob Scoggins. I'm the host of the Topic Conversation. We are looking for great sponsors, and we hope it might be you. Get your advertisement heard during the show on our podcast and on our website, thetopicofconversation.com. I'm Rob Scoggins, your host. Thanks. Welcome back to the Topic of Conversation. I am Rob Scoggins, your host. We are right here in the original Brooklyn's 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. Do not forget, if you ever are in downtown Denver or just visiting Denver metro area during a football game, maybe your home team is somebody that other than the Broncos. We hope it's not, but it might be. Come to the original Brooklyn's. It's 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. Everybody in the neighborhood knows where it is. You are about a block away from Light Rail. If you Also, if you have an event coming up and you're a local person, you have an event coming up and you, you want to have a, a wedding or an anniversary or or a reunion, or whatever. Get your friends together. Uh, they have a great opportunity for you to do that. They have a great patio during the spring and summer. They have a great upstairs during the winter. And of course, they have a great bar area all year long here at the Original Brooklyn's. Uh, just call just call and ask for Jimmy or Di or any of the staff here. They will help you book your event right here at the Original Brooklyn's, 100 yards away from where the Broncos play. And once again, I'm Rob Scoggins. I'm your host of the Topic of Conversation here every week every Wednesday, and we're having a good time with Drew Litton. He is an incredible cartoonist. He's had an incredible life. He is still going strong. He has not stopped drawing uh, until he gets, until I guess you get arthritis, which you'll never get, because cartoonists just don't. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he is Drew Litton, and he is an icon here in the Denver metro area. If you don't know him in person, you do know his art. Uh, Google him right now, Drew Litton, and he's going to tell us all the different ways you can find him, because he's, like, he's got like three different web- websites that are incredible. And you can also find his art, Oh. Fascination Street. <clears throat> oh, Fasc- yeah. Fascination Street Art Gallery. And that is Aaron Lapidus, and he has been on the show. Mm-hmm. And you can find your, he can find Drew Litton's uh, art there. Yeah. Correct? Well, uh, and, other pla- done, and other places yeah, too. Yeah, and other places too. Yeah, <laughs> but we do stuff on the web. Yeah. Um, you know, you go to drewlitton.com, and there's a store icon. And um, so we sell prints through there. Yeah. Um, we've done calendars. Yeah, we'll love doing calendars he, again. He's giving out calendars to everybody here who <laughs> wanted one, so you missed out. Sorry, but we all got one, and they're hilarious. And he'll he'll do a 2017 uh, calendar coming out soon, right? Right, that's the plan. And will that be and, October, November, probably? Yeah, probably October. Hopefully okay. by Halloween. You cool. know, Very yeah. Cool. And um, you know, so uh, just trying to do as many things as possible like that. So that's where you can find me. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I have, uh, you know, just Drew Litton. Drew Litton, yeah. There's Drew Litton cartoons. There's also Finnegan's Field, yeah. which is another web page. Uh, we'll another talk about Facebook. that. We'll yeah. talk about a little bit. And then um, on the web, I've got two sites. I've got uh, latoonstudios.com and then um, drewlitton.com. Yeah. yeah. The funniest one you did on Facebook recently, obviously, uh, if people who follow sports and love sports, uh, you know that the uh, Hall of Fame game was canceled this year. Uh, it was supposed to be the Colts versus the Green Bay Packers, and and it was canceled due to the field conditions. And what Drew did was hilarious. He took, and you can Google this now. Go to Facebook, Drew Litton, and it is it is <laughs> it is Mo, Larry, and Curly dressed up uh, as uh, paint guys for the field, and it's hilarious. And and where did you, you come up? Where did you come up with stuff like that? I mean, just you know, you could have chosen any. But you chose the Three Stooges. I mean, it's yeah. so great. Well, you know, I, you, you just, could have chosen Dumb and Dumber guys. You know? Yeah, it could have worked that way too. <laughs> you know, um, and that's one of the things that I have to do, and I have to be careful of these days. Is um, you know, because I'm a little because um, Jim Carrey and Jim I'm Daniels. Little, I'm a little older. 
You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in that old school kind of thing. And so I have to be careful to not put too many references to things that are dated, you know, right. because kids today, you know, if it's not in a video game, right. uh, if it's not Pokemon Go, uh, <laughs> then, you know, they're not going to relate to it as much. That's true, so. but you do, you do know that, you know, five years ago they did a Three Stooges movie, so people, okay. the kids know. Yeah, it's the sort of know. there. You know, there are certain <laughs> things that I think stand the test of time, and sure. the Three Stooges are probably definitely one, one of them. them. Yeah. Marx Brothers may be a little bit more yeah, obscure, might, might but, you little, know. Sure, trouble with that one. But, yeah, so, um, but anyway, they... Um, you know, so it just seemed like the perfect thing. You know, you always try to find visually uh, uh, things that, you know, can can speak for themselves as quickly as possible. And so that's what I do. Yeah. And yeah. another one I love, and, and, and guys, Google this one now too. Um, by the time you're listening to this, you, the Olympics will still be on. Uh, the one you just recently did was so funny. Uh, go to Facebook.com, Drew Litton. And then it is, is, is this guy dressed up like Michael Phelps. Uh, he's a fat guy like me, just in those little, you know, tidy white, you know, yeah, speedos, speedos, speedos. speedos. And, Spe- and, and the caption says, having a Michael Phelps moment. It's hilarious. Yeah. Speedos should actually be illegal <laughs> for anybody over the age of 20, basically, or, anybody or 21. Has, or anybody who has the Dunlap disease. Yes. Where, yeah. where your belly Dunlaps over your belly. Yeah, yeah. Or the Dickie Do disease, yeah, where yeah. your belly sticks out further than your... <laughs> Dickie Do. There yeah, you go. Okay, yeah. Um, so, you know, the... But hilarious stuff. You, that's so you. great about what you're doing now. And I know you've been away from the Chicago um, paper for now four years. What uh, is the it? Trib- is the it? Tribune. You left the uh, Tribune when? Uh, that was last spring. I so think. a year. Yeah. Yeah, so just a year. year. Okay. Yeah. So you've been away from traditional. Yeah. And I wanted to hold on there until. <laughs> I wanted to hold on until the Cubs win the World Series. You Which know, because could be this year. Oh, yeah. It's, well, you know, between the Cavaliers winning the NBA <laughs> title and the Cubs, it's yeah. basically the end of the world. It really it's is. It's in the book of Revelation. No, because guess who has to win the Super Bowl? The Lions. If okay. the Lions win the Super Bowl this year, done. Really? It's okay, over. so yeah, it has to be the Lions. Won. They've never won. That's true. It could be they could be the Browns, but I mean the Lions. Well, the Browns, just, if the Browns win, <laughs> I mean, it definitely is the yeah, whole planet. I mean, the Lions are right behind them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. That's true. I hadn't thought of that one, but yeah. So, you know, you get, uh, but, you know, the, the gig at the Tribune was just a lot of fun. But I, I can guarantee if, if you wrote, a, if they do win the World Series and you wrote something and send it to them, I'm sure they would print it. Yeah. And, and yeah. maybe give you a hundred bucks. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if they have it. You if know. they have it, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the landscape and the whole business has certainly changed, so. In your professional opinion, we'll do professional first and you can do your personal one. In your professional opinion, what year? I mean, Bill Gates has already said it. He's already set the tone. Bill Gates has already said papers are done in 2020. They're done, gone, history, no more. What is your prediction that some of the bigger city papers, I mean, we'll always have USA Today. That'll always be there. Well, maybe. But maybe. maybe, yeah, maybe, that's, maybe, a maybe that's a maybe too. Yeah. But in your professional opinion, the Denver Post, when will, let's just go with our paper, the Denver Post, when will that be saying adios? Oh, and I mean handheld paper. Obviously, there will always be digital. Yeah. We know that. There will always right. be a digital paper, well, but a handheld paper. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the, the, the bulk of the money that a newspaper survives on is still in print media. Yeah. You know, it's still a part of uh, that tangible print thing. You know, here's the thing. Online, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of, of choices. All right. And there's Yahoo, MSNBC, there's and CBS. So difficult, there's, yeah, and it's so difficult to get the ad revenue to work. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, broadcast journalism has felt it. Um, the internet feels it. You're on a podcast media. right now. Yeah, uh, right. and so all of those things feel it because you don't have, um, you don't have that kind of you know, uh, ad revenue. It's spread all over the place. And so, the, you know, advertisers will not spend a tremendous amount of money in any one place because there's just so many um, choices. And it's hard to find sponsorships, it's, right? Yeah, and even internet sites. I mean, ESPN.com, a site that you would think, hey, they're making money hand over the fist. The conversation.com. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and ESPN Zone or the ESPN.com? Yeah. No, so it's very hard. Yeah, but Fox but, Sports, but their their parent company is 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 ABC <clears throat> Disney, so I think they're doing okay. I think Marvel Comics is paying for it. So yeah, there we go. There we <laughs> go. Thor. Every time well, they do a Thor movie, that pays ESPN. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it it's a trickle down thing, but it yeah, really I mean, it, it, it you know, so you look on the internet and you just go, there's not really a lot of people making huge money. No, 
And there's that. a lot of people, yeah, you're right. And so, you know, it, it gets down to how, you know, how are we going to be able to, um, to get journalists and, and journalism to stay alive in the United States and I have, I, I'm, you know, I'll get philosophical. Go right ahead, you, but, please, absolutely. You know, it's, it's um, it, it, no matter what you think of the media, no matter what you think of newspapers or broadcast or radio, um, no matter what you think of those, it's, it's part of, it's a huge, and I'm, I'm, I can't underline that enough, it is a huge part of the democracy. Right. It gives you goosebumps, right? You're just yeah. like, I how, mean, how important because you have to have freedom of the press. You do. And you have to be able to, you know, um, you have to be able to, to vet politicians, um, those in power, those who are making huge money. You have to be able to have a checkpoint system in our, in our democracy to make sure that those people are not corrupt to the nth degree. And I think we're fixing to enter into a time of history where corruption in, in politics, in banking, in, in finance, uh, will be um, beyond anything we've ever experienced in our nation's history. I agree. And I think it's all because of the downfall of the newspaper business. And, you know, like I said, everybody's affected. Broadcast journalism is being affected. Advertising. Because it's the same Advertising. thing. It's all about, you know, ad revenue and nobody's getting it. Because it's all fractured. And people don't understand that ad revenue runs society. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It yeah, absolutely it really runs society. It runs the paper. It runs media. It runs television. It runs the internet. People don't understand. If, if, if Coca-Cola wasn't around and McDonald's wasn't around, we, we would probably, you know, and they weren't still advertising. Mean, Coca-Cola and McDonald's don't need to advertise, but they still do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they still are all over the place. They're all over the Olympics. They're all over everything. Right. Um, but... They do run our society, and we mm-hmm. need it, and mm-hmm. we need those papers, and we need that stuff. I still see the Sunday paper is pretty thick. I mean, the local Sunday paper is pretty pretty thick. I know it's a lot of advertising, mm-hmm. uh, but that, that makes me feel a little bit good about the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. But 2020 is not that far away. No, you know? it's, it's <laughs> not that far away. That's an interesting thing. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. But I think it's certainly, um, you know, I, I think hyper-local uh, journalism is, is really the way to go um, because people want local news. Yeah. But that said... Um, you know, anybody under the age of um, 40 probably does not get their, they don't ever look at a newspaper, that's for no. sure. And so where does, you know, where does the content go? And, and, you know, for what I do, where does the content go? Right now it goes to Facebook for the most part. I've been told men buy papers, women get it from the internet right now. The majority, I mean, if you did the, if you did the percentages, yeah. Yeah. more women get their news from the internet where men are still willing to read the paper. The the uh, paper has gotten a little bit more expensive too. I mean, it's mm. it's now two dollars. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, and it used to be twenty five cents. Right, and I understand that because the advertising isn't there. Well, that's also the price of paper and sure. ink and all of those things going up as well, and delivery. You know, the price of gas. It's all affected within that it's, price, but it's still. I still find um, daily newspapers the a major miracle. Yeah, you know, if you knew what really went on behind the scenes to try to put out a daily paper, it's can really you tell a us a little bit about behind the scenes and how. How crucial! I mean, a daily paper—you have 24 hours to crank out a paper. Right, right, and you know, um, just putting it all together, you know, and and, and getting the you know, articles and the, and the photography together, and the, and the, editing, the art, and the, and the editing, and the and you know, making sure, yeah, making sure all of it's, you know, you try to make sure all of the grammar and spelling and everything is all well done, and and you know, and then just getting the timeliness of everything, you know, breaking stories late at night and all that stuff. And that's really the reason why I think, you know, that it's, it has been challenged on top of, of obviously having the internet and, and the web that's automatic. And we can find out who won the Olympics before, yeah. the, before yeah. they even showed on yeah, TV. Now. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I, I think it's, I think they're still trying to figure out how to, how to save journalism. Is yeah. there any category of sport? I mean, is there any sport you've never, you know, humorized or humor? You know? Championship wrestling. <laughs> Why not? I was, I was Can told. Can you put that in this 2017 uh, calendar? Actually, you know, actually I saw an ad the other day that there, that there, I think there was somebody who was looking for uh, illustrations or something for the, for that, you know? So yeah, I'm jumping all over that. I'd be all over but, that. But you know, my, my, my you editor. MMA, you've done MMA. No, I've no, never done, done MMA. MMA you know? That'd be a good one too. You know, I, I, I figured I've missed some really big stuff. I've missed the X Games. I yeah. haven't really jumped on that bandwagon. The MMA. They're here. They're local done. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, MMA, I haven't done. Uh, you know, USA soccer. Rugby? USA Rugby? Soccer, I haven't done. Rugby, I haven't really done. Curling? I, have you done curling? 
Oh, I've done some curling carts right, in Chad, but funny. you know, you know, I don't think they're ones that you know the curling, you know, because now we have one in Lake. Governing you know, bodies yeah. of curling would really jump up and down yeah, about the people. But, yeah. People in South Dakota would be all over you. Oh, you yeah. better watch you, betcha. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. When you write, um, like, do you have something in your head for tomorrow? I mean, you know that the, the Broncos are starting their preseason. We know Sanchez is starting. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the term what they're they're calling it they're calling this the Broncos are going fox hunting, which I think is stupid because the co- head coach uh, is fox. Yeah, yeah. And cares. I think that's kind of dumb. Yeah. But um, do you already have something ready? I mean, are you already ready no. for tomorrow? Going no. Sanchez throws an interception to keep a keep to leave his own player. I mean, no. you don't have anything. No, I know. You know, everything <laughs> I do is today for tomorrow. My sure. central nervous system is used to it. Yeah. You know, I used to do cartoons at the Rocky where um, the Avalanche would have a playoff game that ended at 10 and I have an 11 o'clock deadline. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I've developed a drawing style that allows me to turn things around quickly. And I try to find images that are, you know, um, again, the Three Stooges or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've been doing, uh, working with Nine News uh, ever since the Rocky closed. I do Broncos cartoons uh, every season for them. And... Um, and that's taught me to to be very simplistic mm-hmm. because you only get a few seconds on TV. It's not like in the newspaper where you can go back and look at it several times. Right. Um, so it's all about you know the simplicity of the image, you know, and and uh, and all of that. And and so you know, I I never work today. I mean, I always work today for tomorrow, and and right on the you know right in the middle of the event. So that's the way I've always done things. And now I have done things where I prepared beforehand. Sure. For instance, like the Super Bowl. Yeah. I had three different cartoons prepared. Ready. Ready. Winning, losing, and... And, and, and drawing. Yeah. <laughs> Winning, losing, and and, uh, and I think it was just... Uh, if it ran into overtime or something, okay. I think it was okay. the other one. So, oh, no, yeah. Winning, losing, and yeah, overtime, I think. Okay. So, I just I had three different images, and I'm uh, with... Uh, um, I'm at a, a Super Bowl party, which is not something I normally do, but... I had gone with my girlfriend to a... And you had these at Comic-Con this yeah, my, year. Yeah, my girlfriend yeah. Kathy and I had gone to a Super Bowl party. Mm-hmm. And so we're there. And, um, you know, beginning of the fourth quarter, we're starting to talk going, none of these cartoons work. I'm going to have to draw something brand new. Yeah. And I had brought... Because it was such I, I worked, a blowout or... <clears throat> well, no, because the one was about Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's not That's not, not going to work, no. Yeah. The lose one, obviously, is not going to work. And the generic one was just generic. It wasn't really going to work. It okay. didn't really capture. You know, it was all about defense, right? It was all about Von Miller. Von it was Miller. all about, yeah. So I had to completely redraw the whole thing. And I had brought, uh, I work on a Cintiq tablet, which is a, I get to draw direct to screen on a computer. I don't oh, use cool paper anymore. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's great. It's, it's great to be able to, to work that and What's light. it called, direct to screen? Yeah, it's called Cintiq. Cintiq. A Cintiq cool. tablet, yeah. A lot of animation people do it in uh, like Pixar and people, animators, use them. Um, and I got one after the Rocky Close. I have a, two of them. I have a baby one that I travel with and then a bigger one that I work at home That's on. Awesome. But yeah, so I draw direct screen. So I took the baby Cintiq and worked right there at the party to finish this cartoon. <laughs> and, growing? Yeah. So I was drunk around you going, hey, yeah, it is, yeah, well, a lot of people. Yeah. And then we had a problem with the cat too, the, the, the house cat there at the... Decided he wanted to dance on the uh, on the keyboard as I was trying to get things done. But we worked it out, and well, he, he was, was excited. Ca- the Panthers yeah. were playing. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was. He yeah. was. He was pretty fired up. But you know, <laughs> but so uh, awesome. yeah. So you always work today for tomorrow, and to try to be as fresh as possible. Absolutely. That's what really you gotta works. Stay fresh. Yeah, and you got to be. Yeah. So the last little part of this, you have jumped into the new millennium, and you are now on the web. You have a web series. That you started, I talked to you, I, you know, we were talking about a little bit, I, you probably don't remember because it was a big long line for you at the Denver Comic Con this year, but um, you are starting a web series. Finnegan. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have a web, a web comic um, that uh, you can see uh, on finnegansfield.com is the, uh, the web address. It's very funny. Finnegans, oh, thank you. Yeah, very thank funny. you. Thank very you. Funny. Is it you? I mean, are you him? Because yeah, it looks like much. you as Jackson? a little kid. Yeah, a little yeah, Jackson. I mean, yeah. you, it looks like you, but you were sort younger. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of me, okay. and and it's all about um, uh, my dog Finnegan, who's yeah. a, a miniature schnauzer, and um, and they live in the city, mm-hmm. and they have a a park that's close by the apartment they live in, and so they're able to go to the park, and and it's kind of about that. It's also about and it's set. It's set where? <clears throat> it's set in in it's, in, in. It's not Wash Park. It's Megalopolis. Okay. You know, okay, yeah. uh, just random know, place. Right yeah, yeah. It, it it can be Wash Park. It could be Central Park. It could be it anywhere could be, in the world. Yeah. And, and so it's really about that. It's also about rescue dogs, 
rescue animals. I'm, I'm big into that because Finn is a rescue dog. And um, Did you get him from Dumb Friends? I got him actually uh, when I was living in Dallas for a short period of time. I okay. lived in Dallas for about a year and a half after the Rocky closed. And um, <clears throat> you got him. And I got him there, yeah. So, and he's just been a great addition to my life. He's and it's just only wonderful. it's only a month old now, right? I yeah, mean, it's, it's right about a month old, and and I do three a week: Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Finnegan'sField.com, or it's also if you Drew Litton uh, on Facebook, um, or Drew Litton's cartoons, or Finnegan's Field on on Facebook. Uh, I try to put them. I try to post them every day, or every you know three times a week when I do them. And uh, so I'm having a blast. It's a lot of fun. Um, I do want to try to get a little bit further ahead than I want than I am sure. right now, and so started on the web, and, and that always starts slowly. Sure. Um, I think once I get enough um, put together, I'll probably pitch it to a few syndicates, um, which distribute stuff. You know, I'm syndicated by Universal um, uh, Press Syndicate for my sports work, yeah. and two times a week. So I'm going to try to throw it their way, and see what happens. It's really. It's it used funny. to be it's really, good. really hard to get a strip syndicated. Yeah. It's even harder, harder now yeah. because nobody's buying strips. And, and everybody's so doing them. Everybody, yeah. yeah, everybody still does them. But, you know, so, um, but I, you got to roll the dice and you got to see what happens. And, you know, I, I've you're, often you're joked, hey, you're going to do it. My I career, mean. my career has been going to the dogs and it might as well, you know, just be <laughs> officially there, right? Yeah. Just like our host puppy, right? Yeah, here. exactly. The, the question uh, that we had a question from the web uh, uh, from uh, topicconversation.com and you can also find us on uh, Topic Conversation on Facebook. Uh, the question is, Drew, are you, your fans want to know, are you still making a living? They're worried about you because now you're done with the, you're done with the Chicago Tribune. You're, uh-huh. you're on your own now. You're out uh-huh. there. Are you, are you making a living? You're, some of your fans were concerned. They, I don't know if they're going to do a, you know, a, a, fun, a fundraiser for you. Or, <laughs> but, but are you Who doing, this? Are you doing okay? Do we get an email no, or something? No, no, it's just a random question. You know, it is tougher. Okay. I, I am not going to, uh, you know, uh, it is tougher to make a living doing what I do because, again, the landscape has changed. And so all of the people that I do do work for, um, you know, um, there's not a tremendous amount of money in it from their standpoint. Right. Um, and, and so you have to get a lot of different revenue streams yeah, to make streams. that happen. Um, and you're doing I, that, One right? of the things I'm doing that I'm going to start doing, I'm going to do a, a Patreon uh, oh, thing good. pretty soon. I'm going to do that for good. the fall. I'm also going to um, begin to do and open it up to I'm, I'm going to venture into man cave paintings. Fun. So the idea of these is that um, if somebody's got a basement, mm-hmm. okay. Here in Denver? Man yeah. cave, absolutely. Sure. Here in Denver. And if, if somebody wants one, you know, done in California, if you fly me out there and and uh, pay some, you know, pay to put me in a hotel and let yeah. me do it. I'll Code do name that is way. Topic of Conversation, yeah. Drew Litton, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> man cave paintings. That's so, fun. Good uh, for you. Imagine this. If you will, in your your basement or your man cave, right? Mm-hmm. Say you're a huge, um, let's say you're a huge Broncos fan. There you go. And you want to uh, either have iconic uh, picture of different Broncos on your wall, or you want a whole thing of Denver sports, or you want to actually be a part of, like, say, you're running down the field with uh, Von Miller chasing you. You can we can, we'll do a caricature sure. of you and. And, uh, and put it on and, and do this you know big painting in the basement. So Good. that's that's the and that's, it's price specific because you'll 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 say hell oh, the walls this big I'll do it for yeah, this much. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So we're we're venturing into that Good and, for you. and of course so with Finnegan, um, eventually we're going to be doing some merchandise with that and I continue to do merchandising through DrewLitton.com and what we're doing there. So well, good for you. You are an icon. Thank you. Of Denver, you are a superhero to a lot of kids who have grown up with your cartoons. Um, you are funny. God, they're funny. And keep doing what you do because uh, a lot of people still still read you. A lot of people still love you. And I ha- have heard nothing but good things uh, from your fans who knew you were going to be here and just couldn't couldn't join us. Yeah. Because they're from all over. Yeah. <laughs> you have a plethora yeah. of fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and we thank you so much for being here. Are you ready now for Rob's Fast Five questions? Oh, I am. Okay. Is, this, is this a little bit like a, uh, like a, James Lipton? James Lipton. A little, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't ask me the last James Lipton, no, we're I won't, be good. I won't. I won't. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay. Um, when when you when you're drawing, uh, uh, when you're drawing, what are you doing? I mean, what are you drinking? What what are you what are your what's your routine? What is your routine before you sit there and draw? Obviously, now you're doing on computer. coffee. 
coffee is the okay. must. Yeah, coffee is the must. Is Obviously, you black, just black coffee. Guy? Oh no, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I got to have cream, no yeah, sugar. Okay, no, okay, cream, yeah. no sugar. Okay. But the car- coffee has to be dark roast usually. It has to be pretty stout. <laughs> Uh, and I'll usually go to two, two, two um, cups of that, sometimes three, depending on, on the night before, uh, whether or not I got sleep, um, which doesn't happen often. Yeah, of course. Um, and then, then I move into, uh, you know, generally I'll take a look at the topics. Yeah. Um, and I'll go to uh, Sports Illustrated. is kind of my go-to um, sports site. Mm-hmm. ESPN is next. But um, And then I'll, I'll go to, uh, you know, if, if there's others, maybe CBS Sports or sure. – you know, it just kind of depends. Just digging a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I'll go to different websites, and then I'll pick my topic, uh, and I'll and I'll. And how sit long there is it? How long does it take you? To it, draw it, it really it varies. You know, yeah. um, Pat Oliphant, who used to be the cartoonist for the Denver Post, sure. really famous um, political cartoonist. Yeah. Uh, Pat had a great quote that said, uh, "Cartooning is a three-hour. It's a twenty-four-hour-a-day job that culminates in about three hours worth of work." <laughs> And I think that's a true story. I think it's, you know, you're always looking for ideas. Right. You know, I'm constantly reading. But, but once you have your idea, how yeah. long does it take you to draw? Well, again, it depends. It depends okay. on how long I have okay. on a deadline. All right. You know, if I was, if I had those avalanche pieces, yeah. I had, you know, an hour. Uh, I've done a couple of pieces where I had to turn them quickly around for nine news that, that sure. short of time. Um, generally, I like to take three to four to five hours, depending on how, how, you know, how detailed it is. Your favorite Colorado athlete to draw? Oh, by far, John Elway. Okay. But I your, do miss Dan Reeves. Your, <laughs> your favorite non-Colorado athlete to draw? Oh, goodness. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, favorite non-Colorado athlete to draw? But I, 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 I guess it would be Tom Brady because Tom Brady, I love sure. to make, you know, make Tom Brady or Bill Belichick, if you count him as an athlete. Sure, I love not? to make fun of the Patriots and <laughs> Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Who is very much like uh, the Grinch, yeah. by the way. Yeah. He, he looks like the Grinch. He does. The, um, your favorite candy? What's your favorite candy? Haribo gummy bears. Yeah. And squirt to drink. <laughs> squirt? That's a grapefruit drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so grapefruit drink and what? And Haribo gummy bears. Okay, that's a lot of sugar. It is a lot of sugar. And, and, and squirt, I, is, yeah, squirt is good. Squirt's be, grapefruit drink. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not supposed to be having yeah, that much sugar. Okay. So, you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but everybody has their own vice. Yeah, right? yeah. I know those, yeah. that would be my vice. Yeah, or actually, my vice is actually uh, tortilla chips and salsa. Where do you find your bliss? Where do you find your happiness? I think my faith. I think um, I think I find my bliss in um, my relationships. I think I find my bliss in my dog. I think I find my bliss in the mere ability that I have uh, the chance to draw cartoons for a living. And making people laugh without And making it. people laugh. I'm thankful to be able to do that. I'm grateful every day mm. that I have a chance to do what I dreamed of doing when I was a boy. What makes you sad? Oh, gosh. You know, there's a lot in the world that makes me sad. Um, and with all the humor that's in your life on a daily basis, you have to get sad sometimes. Oh, yeah. I have, I have more than my share. Um, you know. Life has been a little bumpy for me the last 10 years yeah. or 12 years because I, you know, I lost my wife in 2004 right. and my mm-hmm. father five months later. And, yep. and um, you know, so you go through losses and, of course, the Rocky going under. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have your moments of sadness. But, you know, really, honestly, things that made me sad is, um, you know, the choices we have for president of the United States coming up. That <laughs> makes me sad. Okay. And in just the state of the world, I think yeah. uh, we need to get back to, to uh, loving one another a little bit more and being less judgmental. Yeah. That's so nice. What's your favorite cuss word? Oh, you are going to ask me that question. Yeah, I am. You know, I don't know if I have one. I guess I don't, you don't know. Have to have know. One. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, yeah. Thank you so much for being you here. You bet. It's been an absolute treat to have Drew Litton on the show. And uh, we, we're going to follow you uh, with the, all, the, all the Finnegan stuff and everything you're doing. And uh, hope, to, hope to have you come back in a couple of years, okay? Okay. Thank Sounds you so great. much. Thank it's you. It's been an honor. Thank you. We had just had Drew Litton on the show. He is a cartoonist and humorist. You can find him all over the web and all that good stuff. I just want to remind you to listen, laugh, and talk as much as you can through life. Wake up every day with a purpose, just like Drew Litton does, to make people laugh. And you never know, we may find you. And we may call you to be right here at Original Brooklyn's 100 yards away from the where the 100 yards away from where the Broncos play to be our topic of conversation. My name is Rob Scoggins. I've been your host. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and good night.
since I last really slept I got chills through my skin From nervous sweat Accelerating, hallucinating I'm digging in my nails But one thing I have They don't see me yet They'll fake a smile and think all the time Never close their eyes Now, who can hold 